What's good, Defenders family, and welcome to episode 131. Don't worry, we didn't forget or change our normal Jump for LA Football Club intro, but we did want to start this episode with a bit of a disclaimer. For almost all of our 130 episodes, Defenders of the Bank aims to be a family-friendly LAFC-centric podcast that can be listened to anytime, anywhere, by anyone. However, this episode, episode 131, is a little different. For this episode, we have our good friends over at FCFC Podcast, Slim, Spice, and Dweez, on for a solid hour and a half chat about all kinds of fun stuff for part two of a double pod we started over on their platform. We want to warn you that this episode contains some swears. Not from me, mind you, your friendly neighborhood scarf, but definitely from the boys over at FCFC and from a very giddy and happy to do so Philly. So please, listen bearing in mind that you'll hear some colorful language, but after this episode, we will go right back to being the family-friendly black and gold podcast you've come to know and love for the last 130 episodes. And now, enjoy episode 131 of Defenders of the Bank. What is good, Defenders? Welcome to episode 131 of the most LAFC podcast on earth, now heard in 74 countries around the world. And as of today, Philly, finally, our dreams have come true. It is finally available on Pandora. Very, very exciting stuff. You guys know my voice. I'm one half of the Dastardly Defenders duo, the mouth of the South Bay, J.R. Liebert, the scarf. And sitting across the interwebs from me, as always, is my partner in pod, the beast from the East Coast himself, Christian Philemon. But you all know him as... Philly, the self-proclaimed beast from the East. I am freezing my tail off in beautiful Burbank, California, Philemonster Studios. Scarf, another day... Another nickel. And after our last podcast, I can't help but think of nothing but kelp pickles. That's all I've been thinking about is kelp freaking pickles. I'm telling you, we're supposed to be here on Friday. I, I would have been great had they come today because I would have shared it with our fantastic guests uh, who we'll talk about in just a second. Tonight is definitely going to be. And by the way, kelp pickles does have roots in another episode. For those of our listeners that are like... There we go. Speaking of roots in all the episodes, what is Philly talking about right now? Kelp pickles. We'll explain in a little bit. Tonight is definitely going to be a little different of an episode from us. And as I say that, by the way, the different episode, Panda walks in in a onesie right now, sipping some sort of tea or hot chocolate or something. So this is the kind of distractions that we have to deal with on an everyday basis. Hi, Panda. Hope you're uh, a, that's uh yeah, she's in, what, what animal is your onesie, by the way? Shrek. It's a bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bears. close. It's a, bears a little Santa hat. A bear. I love it. It's very, very cute. Where is that an Amazon purchase? The tipsy elves. <laughs> Excellent. You, this is, uh, we are four minutes in and we are already off the rails. A perfect episode. Like I said, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a different episode from us. And like Philly's time in abandoned New York City, sometimes different also means wonderful. Before we get started, let's make one thing very clear. For almost every single minute of our first 130 episodes, we are family friendly to the core. However, tonight, 
because of the nature of our fantastic guests. Tonight, there is definitely a potential for some earmuffs being needed for episode 131. Fair warning, there is a potential for some swears. Philly, get ready. So instead of this day in LAFC history, and instead of our news and notes, and we know there is plenty, by the way, for all of us to talk about in terms of LAFC news, we are departing from the norm because we have brought on three absolute legends of the LAFC pod fam. FCFC podcast has captured the hearts, minds, and for some, dare I say, souls of many in the LAFC community and for good reason. These three men, nay, these three heroes have come together to create an incredibly entertaining, wide-reaching, and thought-provoking podcast that is one part LAFC, one part NPR, and one part whatever the heck it is that Slim brings to each episode. We love him very, very much. Tonight, for episode 131, we bring you the second half of a podcast that started over on their platform. Please, please make sure to check out the first half with them taking the lead. It is not nearly as big of a train wreck in the first five minutes. We talked about all kinds of stuff on their pod including hidden gems around la to check out during quarantine and and by the way like i was showing dweez i bought the book thank you for the uh the recommendation on the book wild la we talk about both coasts we had a little intro to the east coast west coast i don't know if i would say it was a rivalry but one thing there was way much nick's talk on that last podcast but most of all we just had a lot of fun with these guys we also Mm. agreed how much we missed christmas tree lane and we had some sweet knowledge Dropped on us by Dweez there at the end. Defenders listeners, we may not be able to be in the small slice of heaven that is the FCFC podcast backyard or even together in world famous Phila Monster Studios, but we are lucky enough today to visit with Dweez, Spice, and Slim, or I'm going to let Slim introduce as they like to call themselves. What do you guys like to call yourselves on your podcast, Slim? Two scholars and a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. That is the voice of Slim. We have Dweez, Spice, and Slim from FCFC Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 131 of Defenders of the Bank. Thank you guys for having us on, man. We appreciate it. And a long time coming. Given that, that we- the greatest intro we've ever gotten to anything. Slim, you got to step your shit up, bro, because that was, uh, we, we're, we're gunning for something else, bro. <laughs> Bro, I, no, I, I I have a hard enough time like just remembering names. So let's <laughs> one step at that, a time. That intro got me so hyped up to piggyback off the defenders listener who already had the defenders of the bank tattoo. I want to get one three one, just episode one, the episode number tattooed on my back. <laughs> I'm so excited about all this. Uh, thank you guys for having us. Oh man, we are so so glad to have you. And Philly, you you sat there very patiently. I talked for like five minutes. I feel like Philly. Uh, let's let's hear the voice of Christian Philemon too. So it's not a bad matter hearing my voice. All these, all the millions, millions, and get millions. to hear our voices quite a bit. So it's more. It's not about us today, Scarf. As much as we love to to toot our own horns, as some of our reviews have said in the past on Apple, we're <laughs> we're we're going to toot the horns of other people today. Our boys from FCFC. This is really exciting stuff. I, I'm. I'm excited that I get to swear on our own pod and I don't even have to bleep. NSFW, here we come, baby. This is good stuff. But enough about me, enough about us. Let's give our listeners a chance to really get to know the FCFC boys. Why don't we go around the Zoom and have each of you introduce someone else? You know, like how you would describe your podcast partner to somebody who didn't know them. The only catch, boys. The only catch is that they are right here listening to you do it. After you give them an intro, we will let them talk about themselves 
We promise. So, Dweez, why don't we start with you, the 100K man himself. Which one of your pod mates would you like to introduce? I'm just going to – I am I got to hit Slim first. I got I to gotta, I gotta big up Slim right now. Uh, why the fuck you got to hit up Slim first? Because he's, <laughs> he's closest to me on the Zoom, Josh, and he's always at my house before you. So, there you go. He's early, – early bird gets the worm. We've, we've counted. There's been three, maybe four times where I've been earlier than Sam. So, right. let me just say for the record, fucker. <laughs> this is great, guys. Several, We're getting several, I'm sorry. Several dozen go ahead, Dweez. More uh, on Slim's column for that, but – Slimothy right down here below me on the screen with the green screen backgrounds for all the wild internet videos he does on his private channel, exclusive Patreon content, or it might be OnlyFans. I'm not really sure which, but it's one of the <laughs> two. Slim, no, straight up, you know, I got to know these both of these guys on the podcast once we started actually recording together. I didn't know them super well beforehand, but Slim is like the, like the funniest guy who doesn't already have his own Netflix comedy special, you know, so he's, he's He's a he's a man of great humor, of great delights. He's got that dickhead side that he likes to say, but it's much more of like a heart of gold dickhead. He's got <laughs> just this beautiful new introduction to his life named Kobe, this bundle of joy who's also sort of a, a brick, a uh, little French bulldog. He runs around with, they have matching puffy coats. I mean, it's just a, the guy's just a walking, breathing, talking Angelino who will always big up this city, not New York City, whenever he has the opportunity. And he's got sports knowledge. He's got cultural knowledge. He's, above all, I think, a, fan, a fantastic, if not phenomenal, listener. He's just a great listener. While me and Josh rant about, like, whatever fucking deep dives we're going to get into on our scholarship, he'll look at us sideways for a second, and then he'll just sort of nod his head and say something that is funnier than either of us could ever come up with. So he's the comic relief, but he's also the, I would say, spiritual relief that we need between Josh and I getting neurotic and obsessed with things. So Slim... Why don't you take it away and talk about yourself? All right. I'm I guess, still Korean, I guess, so I don't do good with positive uh, introductions. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and shift that energy over to Josh Spice. Everyone knows Josh Spice. He's he's the North End se- sex symbol. <laughs> um, he... <laughs> um no i mean when what? when this all started spice spice was a perfect counterpart to me i i just pop off at the mouth and and spice will be in his head and and formulate a way to say things and he's more articulate uh than i am so he he was the the yin to the yang and yeah i mean from everything from building tsg to building fcfc we've kind of you know done it all together along with uh our, of course our other tsg leaders and of course with dweez and the rest of the uh it never rains family but um yeah man he he always brings intellect and and depth to the conversation and uh that's why i need him because i am a dickhead through and through and i will take shallow shots at whatever deep things you guys are trying to talk about (laughs) so i love y'all and fuck y'all at the same time (laughs) and uh that brings us to uh to josh tell us a little bit about dweez oh man where do we it's it's he's a he's he's a tough cookie uh you don't crack cookies right that's you he's just a tough cookie and a tough nut to crack but uh you know, Slim always leads with this story, but the the day we met Dweez, we all know Dweez for love and tea, right? But he uh he brings out this kind of um handheld scale 
And um, this is our first time really sitting down with the man. So we assume there's going to be some drug paraphernalia <laughs> that goes on immediately after that. But what, what he ends up doing is putting out these like these tea, uh, these tea essence fucking root going on and then um, splits it up perfectly and brews us a, a nice, uh, nice, nice cup of uh, green tea, sencha tea or something like that. And it was beautiful. And uh, he's someone I think who is made for this new millennium and this new decade, man, he is a researcher. He is a nerd about the stuff he loves to nerd out about. And um, he's someone who's uh, appetite for knowledge, but also appetite for being a kind and just and good person is insatiable, man. So if you ever had a chance to to meet meet the man, meet the great bearded dweez, I mean, it's wild to think that he did wasn't even bearded um, six, seven months ago. It was just a mustache for this entire time, right? <laughs> we had all met him as the curly-cued kind of hand, handlebar mustache guy with a bucket hat, but now he's a full-bearded dweez. And um, yeah, the generosity of this man, this bespectacled, beautiful man sitting below me on this digital screen is uh, something that I will never get enough of. I'm grateful for his friendship. And um, sometimes he has the wildest fucking takes I've ever heard in my life. And it's it's just a measure of a, of a good ass person. Well, I, I got to say, we couldn't have done a better job introing you guys. That was incredible. You guys now, how many episodes is FCFC podcast in right now? We because don't we don't know. We stop because, counting because yeah. we we, <laughs> we don't number our episodes, uh, which I take responsibility for. I thought it would be funnier to not number them. And then people could just like scroll through them like songs on an album and you forget which order they're in so that's the idea uh and we, we usually yeah we, yeah we tried not too much to talk about like news or current events ever so i don't know maybe you could listen to episode two if you liked episode whatever 53 but i have no idea slim josh do you guys know have any idea how many we have i know over 50 under 100 yeah that's a good we're we're mid we're mid 60s right, right now i think it's awesome yeah mid 60s which isn't which isn't the greatest, but we'll work on it. I think you guys will sense over the course of this podcast that um, Dweez and I and and Slim somehow are in a tug of war battle over the monetization of this uh, this this podcast, which I'm very much getting the dollars. And Dweez is like, how about we take the numbers off? And I'm like, Dweez, it's getting even harder for people to listen to us, but here we are. And uh, Dweez is winning. You <laughs> I'm know? a, Dweez champion. Is Josh I'm the a punch. champion of this idea that I have called the closed internet. Like my original idea for having a podcast was the only people who get to listen to the episodes are other people who've been on the podcast. So it's just like, it's just this like small, but like slowly, extremely slowly growing listener base. And I'm like really into shit like that. We've got some other like physical 3D universe stuff coming at some point. Like I want to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what it is, but I just like, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a guy from another era. I'm probably from the 1800s in my mind. So like I'm, I'm on some Pony Express shit. I don't know about numbers and listeners and Josh is over here just telling me about facts and figures that I don't know. And Slim just laughs about the two of us. You were about. supposed to be from the 60s and 70s LSD era, bro. You know damn right where you were supposed to be from. <laughs> That's true. Shout out, shout out to Arsenal uh, for putting together the psychedelic kid of my dreams. Thank you. And Pharrell Williams. How did you guys first decide, you know, because we talked about it on your podcast, how we kind of came together and started our pod. How did the three of you decide to come together and start a podcast? I know Slim and Josh, you knew each other a little better before Dweez, right? And then you guys all came together. How'd that work? I had wanted to start a podcast prior to that, and we had bought a, a mic or two. Um, but the friends I tried to start that podcast with were pieces of crap and like. <laughs> 
all they want to do is drink and party. You guys know who you are, you bastards. <laughs> and so we had like these mics lying around for a year and then I didn't really know what to talk about. And then LAFC came and took over my life. And um, yeah, kind of the conversation came up between Josh and I to start one. I was like, hey, like I'm an idiot and I just want to talk shit and I need someone smart to like, you know, like pull the reins in on me. And he was down for that. And we started talking about who our first guest would be. And uh, just prior to this conversation, Dweez had had uh, interviewed us for supporter group stories. Uh, he kind of did uh, segments for every supporters group during that time. And, you know, like we, we were talking pregame, like at, at Beer Belly's patio. And, you know, there weren't that many questions asked. We just kind of gave the basic gist of who we were and like what we wanted to stand for. And, you know, that we were still a growing community. And uh, Dweez kind of went into research wormhole mode and like wrote like this five page like like hi history lesson of, of Koreatown as well as like you know the these people that are forming the supporters group called Tiger <laughs> Supporters Group and we were like yo let's get into that guy's head because he's fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> and um like like Tim Burton nuts you know what I mean just just like crazy but beautiful and from there yeah we we approached Dweez and asked if he would be down to do the podcast. And he said, Hey, I'm actually about to start a podcast with Ryan Wallerson and Josh. Damn, I forgot his last name. Josh Gross. Josh Gross called the season pass, which is still going right now. Yep. We, instead of interviewing him, we were like, Hey, why don't we do a podcast together? Because I think I have enough dickhead energy for two scholars. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. And then from there, we, we tried to record once in Dweezy's uh, house in the kitchen area, dining area. Um, but it's, it's a, a lot of wood, uh, wood floors and all that. So our voices were a little echoey. Um, so we decided, Hey, why not try or Dwee said, why not try uh, recording in the backyard? And, uh, you know, there was the background noise and, and Sean, uh, Dweez's little brother, listened to the audio and he kind of was digging the, the background noise, you know, like th that you kind of felt like you were in the backyard with us. And yeah, I mean, the rest is history. We, we've been through rain and, and dusty winds and everything back there together. That's awesome. We we started our first five episodes at a, a child care center, literally in the office of a preschool. So uh, so there's nice. No, but when you're when you're trying to interview uh, El Catrin Muerto and and Gary Gold, <laughs> yeah, no, meet us at this child care center in West LA so we can record. That's not weird at all. Um, so let's let's talk. What do you guys do when you're not recording FCFC? Josh Dwee Slim, what what is your uh, your real life mild mannered alter ego doing? Shit. Okay. Sorry. I, I usually don't cuss this much. I'm, I'm I think I'm nervous y'all uh, But <laughs> looking, look at my idols in the face. And even with the Islanders Jersey, <laughs> Phil, you look, you look, you look, you look mighty fine tonight. Um, That's good. You're, you you're know, partial to blue and orange. I mean, you're a fellow Knicks fan. That's what it is. You're, you're, That's what it you're is. not so bad yourself. Sex symbol of the North end. <laughs> like That's that, that, that is false by the way. That's not, a, that's not a dude. I can think of, of many, many more who, who deserve that title before me. But um, <laughs> if that humility is working for you, ladies, 
my DMs are open at Josh Spice. Uh, you know where to go. But let me say, um, with that said, let's talk about my 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 workforce life. I, I work in advertising. I work in marketing. Um, sold my soul a long time ago. Um, but I grew up. It was probably in high school or college. But I would I, I would save these ads, man. I don't know, I'm I, I'm a Yankee fan, unlike Phil. So a, a winner in some capacity. So I would get these <laughs> these Yankee season books. You know these Yankees. Um, it wasn't a match day program. It was like a year program. And then I would, you know, these are high quality paper. I'd save all these old Adidas and Nike ads. And by the time I got to high school, I realized that, um, damn, there's someone, there's a man behind the curtain writing these things. You know, I was like, how do I do that? You know, how do I become part of that? So um, when I went to school and I went to Syracuse um, to get my undergrad, I wanted to figure out what the hell advertising was about and ended up in on Madison Avenue with an internship and right now I'm doing some marketing for Mitsubishi Motors. I've been a gearhead for the last like seven, eight years. I think I might just die as a gearhead. I might work in this automotive industry for the rest of my damn life. So if you want an oil change, you want to know about what car to get, don't ask me because I actually just write the tweets for money. Hmm. Um, but <laughs> I do that for a full time. I might be doing that for the next couple of decades. And uh, I'm pretty happy where I'm at right now. Nice. TBH. Nice. All right. Dweez, what about you, my man? Uh, yeah. So what they were talking about in terms of writing the supporters stories, you know, that's part of what I do is I write things. Um, I guess that's all of what I do. I talk to people and then I write things down. Uh, sometimes it gets published with my name on it and other times it, uh, gets published with somebody else's name on it. Uh, so I have a healthy balance. Sometimes it tips depending on size of budgets and things like that. Uh, but it's, I write for, you know, in, in the words of Jay-Z, I'm not a biter, I'm a writer for myself and others. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I do the the ghostwriting thing, which was a strange uh, sort of world that I stumbled upon now about eight years ago. But uh, I sort of wrote my way sometimes for fair amounts of money and not fair, so fair amounts of money through college life until now. So over the last 12 years or so, and um, fortunate enough to like live abroad a lot during that time. The flexibility of a writer's schedule is such that you create your own hours and all that, and I can work from anywhere. So all that's good. But then when LAFC came along uh, about, yeah, a little over five years ago now, or I guess six years ago, um, it was the first time in a while that I was like, hmm, maybe I should like, stay in my ancestral homeland of Los Angeles and uh, see what transpires with this team. And so I did do the spell as a proper sports reporter. I've been a you know music critic uh, for sort of my entry into writing was through rap, rap music criticism and writing about hip hop, which is still a huge part of my life and my soul, although I listen to quite a bit of jazz now. And uh, I don't know. Otherwise, I just try to drink as much tea as possible in my spare time. I hope one day it just takes over and I never have to write anything at all. And I can just drink tea all the time and talk to my friends, which incidentally is what we do on the podcast. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of the story. I love it. We're going to get into your tea drinking a little bit later, my friend. Slim, what about you? You are the uh, the third up on this uh, on this panel here. Uh, I am in cannabis distribution. Uh with a company called JC Rad, we push a brand called Next Green Wave. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's a f- 
fun, laid back industry. Wouldn't say necessarily the most organized industry, um, but you know, it's it's definitely been fun to be part of a new industry that's booming. Um, other than that, I like to watch shows on whatever streaming platforms and this dog that I just got has taken over my life, but it's great. Uh, yeah. That's, that's about it. I, I'm, I'm in quarantine mode. Y'all like, we, what is there to do? It's 2020. Nothing matters. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are all definitely in quarantine mode. I think what Gavin Newsom announced some more regulations today with things going on and our shout ma- out Gavin. <laughs> our much ma- laundry, Gavin Newsom. Hey, I, I was I was riding my bike earlier today to get some exercise and I happened to ride by Burbank police. And for a split second, I'm like, are these guys going to pull me over? Am I allowed to do this? Uh, isn't cycling illegal too now? It's what a, this pandemic pandemonium world we're living in. What a bunch of shit. Uh, absolute shit. <laughs> yeah, it's look, good to say that on our pod, by the way, Scarf. I don't get to do I know, that. I, I love the emphasis you're putting on, on the curse words <laughs> in this episode. Like, it's so much release coming out oh, right yeah. now. It's great. <laughs> I sense the venom within every syllable. It's incredible, man. I love the English language for, for this. I never heard reason. the it's H incredible. hit so hard and shit. <laughs> I would like to also, by the way, apologize to the millions. And millions. <laughs> and millions, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Couldn't Philly couldn't follow up because he was literally drinking at the time that I said that. This is where this he's <laughs> a yellow bubbly, by the way, for all of you that were worried about Philly's man card. It's got a he's got a yellow bubbly that he's drinking right now, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you guys have such an incredible wide ranging reach of guests and and topics that you guys cover. How did you guys decide the direction for FCFC podcast? Because you know Philly and I talk about it all the time. We the the beautiful part about the LAFC pod family is that we all kind of have our different lanes and our different things that we like to cover. But I mean, I don't think I, I would I would say that any podcast in the LAFC family has as wide of a range and as broad of a, a subject range that you guys tackle on every single episode. It's awesome. How did you guys get into what FCFC podcast would be? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one episode that sticks out to me y'all is, um, Cause we started off, I mean, Monty Stevenson was our first um, episode ever. Cause we wanted to tell the jump for LA football club story, right? I was still a very new supporter culture. I didn't really understand where songs came from or, you know, how one culture song is, is taken and translated and kind of readopted into another club's culture and what that sounds like. So I was fascinated with that. And then the first like four or five, we had um, Pat on early. We had Rich on early, you know, guys we see on the daily guys and girls we see on the daily, uh, the, the, the freaking daily that we, that make up our supporter culture, the very fabric of it. And then um, we had Luis from Nikki sports on. And um, I met Luis through probably Ben Chi at a couple of different points in life and um, just wanted to talk to the guy who sold boots and whose family has been selling kids and soccer culture for a living, you know, for a generation now. He said something on the podcast like um, he believes Los Angeles is one of the most important soccer football cities in the world. And um, me as some, a transplant here in L.A. and these guys, you know, can talk to you about, you know, having roots here and what that means to Angelinos. But I was like, wow, we're talking. You're right. We're talking about a globally important city. Um, and even for myself, like getting to know native L.A. Angelinos was a real trip because my friends who had all come and left, you know, L.A. from before had only got to know like 
essentially the West Hollywood and downtown transplant culture. And here I was like in the backyard of Exposition Park getting to talk to like guys who have been bleeding for the city and guys who really love this thing and who love LA more than life itself. And um, I remember when Luis was telling me that about, you know, LA as a global city of soccer culture, of moving the culture forward. I think we all kind of came to uh, like an unsaid thing where it's like, we got to keep telling the story of Los Angeles, wherever we go. And Dweez early on started this thing. He would start the podcast by saying, good people love Los Angeles. And um, it just, it stuck, but it was immediately like, there was something special about it. So we keep telling the stories of the good people, you know, the good, mostly good people. I'd say no, for the, for the most part, almost 100% the good people of Los Angeles. Those are the stories that we live and die by. And I'm, I'm happy and proud to tell them. Yeah, that's uh, it's awesome. You guys have had everybody from like prospective Congress people to <laughs> Timothy Nikolov from Adidas. I mean, you guys have had all kinds of people on your podcast. How, how do you decide? How do you guys go about getting your next guest? What, what's the what's the plan from episode to episode? I should I guess the way Slim put it earlier. Is there a plan from episode to episode, or what's <laughs> how's it work? So yeah, no. First of all, <laughs> there's no plan. Uh, there's no protocol, and there isn't even anything like we normally do. I don't think. Personally, I, for myself, it's all about selfishness and like whatever we're currently interested in. Or, you know, I think I mentioned a little bit about traveling and living abroad. I probably have somewhat of a attention problem um, and wanting to go see new things, always see what's around the corner, explore, adventure. I have a pretty big appetite for those things. And Los Angeles is a city that offers a lot. But, you know, like anyone, you can get stuck in the malaise of seeing things every day and the podcast for me was always an adventure to like learn things and you know one of those early stories as josh mentioned was nikki sports but another one for me we got to shout out benny thrifts uh my boy who you know if we just stick in the lafc thing there's enough to talk about about benny and how he got good at singing and why his voice and how he can project as a capo and his story with the expos things like that Filipino roots. Um, there's plenty of to talk about, but the most interesting part was his Rose Bowl, like flea market lifestyle and like how he became a thrifter and like sort of the things he used to do growing up and how like that became a big part of his life and like how he sees the world. And he brought over like all of this stuff, like so many items and different things that caused like crazy nostalgia for all of us, including like these jars from like either like smuckers old like smuckers jars that i used to use as like juice cups when i was a kid and so it's just like i was like yes like this is it this is what i'm interested in hearing about is like someone's like lafc los angeles global football these can all be entry points but like i'm more interested in things that i don't even know what it's going to be like don't even i don't even want to know almost like in advance but i have a feeling both slim and josh early on they're like what are we going to talk to these guys about like this guy's coming like what are we asking them I, like I'm not exaggerating. We don't have any plan. Like we just sit down and I do think my comfort level with like interviewing people, you know, in, over a decade of journalism and sort of like living in these far flung places, I do have like quite a bit of confidence that like the conversation is going to get interesting at some point, you know, like we're going to, we're going to stumble upon something somewhere. And that always happens. Like there's always something interesting to talk about. And this city offers so much um, and the global game offers so much. And so for us, I think those are doorways. And you brought up the congressman like David Kim and he came so damn close to being a congressman. Like it was a, it was crazy. It was like six or 7,000 votes. I think Josh, right? Like in the end. And yeah. um, 
that would have been like, yeah, pretty epic to have like a member of Congress have, <laughs> have come to the backyard. You know, and we've had shout out to Larry Berg and his son, like certain people who've come through. But like for me, like someone like Jeff Weiss, who came on right before David Kim, he's among the top five music journalists in America. Like, you know, and I know him from working together and writing about music. Um, but to have him on and to talk about the election, the specific election issue that he did. I mean, none of that. We didn't, he didn't even know what LAFC was. And we've had people on who didn't even know what LAFC was. And I think that that's, for us, like we're, we exist in that vortex where um, these various touch points or one of us could just know someone. Um, like another one of my favorite guests, got a shout out, Thelma Orozco, Rich's mom, yeah. uh, who came on the pod. And like, I mean, the first time I met her, I was just like, I have to have her on the podcast. Like she didn't ask. She just was, she told Rich that she was a listener and to, for Slim to watch his mouth. But when I first met her, I was like, please please come on like this would be so cool and so we've had her on we've had a buddy of my ours pierce and his father on so these like you know parent children you know so i'm just like and i can't wait of course to have the defenders on and get into even further strange aspects of yourselves that you know your podcast might not always have room for uh we see fcfs you know we see the backyard and fcfc is a place for having room for all that and i have no idea who our future guests are but you know I hope they're just as surprising and just as bizarre as the ones up until now have been. Yeah, the backyard gets weird. There's some in the water, there's some something in the air that makes people kind of feel like they're immediately a part of the discussion and part of the you know the culture we're setting and a, a part of all the alcohol that we consume, you know, which is I think definitely helps in that regard for 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 candor. But um, one shot, I do have to give out a shout out to the Benny Thrifts episode. If you guys, if I, if we could be so bold to plug it. Benny just gives like there's a like you guys see the North End, you know people are intense there, but you know also know like oh they have families and all that and they're they're you know normal people. Benny is like kind of a superhero to me. Like there's one point in the conversation where he told me that um we're talking about the quality of the smoke that we pop, you know, um the all the the colored smoke that we pop in the air after a goal or beginning of the game, and he said as he, <clears throat> he put on himself this self inflicted capo duty where he said that he would. He, he intended to pop a uh, black smoke vial open and inhale it to really get his lungs accustomed to the, the taste and the sensation of it. And he said he almost went to the hospital. He was coughing up pretty close to just blackness and blood for a couple of days there. And so oh, wow. you just have these gems and insights of guys like we see every, you know, we were seeing day in and day out. And it just makes you like weirdly get into the psyche of a person that like, you're like, wow, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's out there, you know, but we, we have about 3,252 uh, people who are uh, much of the same. Do you guys have a, like a hazing ritual or something you do with each of your guests? Like we used to, we used to pop a shots of, of mezcal and blast motley crew. Like, do you guys like make your guests drink Hennessy or like, is there anything that you prep your guests with? Like anything that's consistent episode, episode before you hit record? The only thing that's consistent is the tea, baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Just the tea, which is like, I think perfect. And most times like people are like, what the hell is this? You know, like what, like, especially people who've never listened to it. Cause we've had plenty of guests who have no idea what the podcast is, why they're on like anything about it. And I'm just like, wait, now there's tea. Like, what is this? You know? So that's the only thing that's been consistent. And it also like recording the background, it wasn't planned. It just, I gave them tea and it seemed to like, kind of wake everybody up at the end of the podcast and get into like a little weird. I don't put anything funky in the tea, but I am, I believe that the tea works, you know, the tea works to like get you to those places. So it's worked so far. And I don't think we're ever letting go of that. 
let's let's back up for a second. How did you become literally the tea aficionado of Bank of California Stadium? Like how how did you get into tea? Without trying to sound horrible, tea got into me. No, I'm just kidding. Like I, it's dude, it's just like it's, get out, it's, get out. What was that? It's the it's the essence, man. I don't know. It's um, you know, if I go back to college, I would drink coffee and fly off the walls. I don't need like that kind of caffeine like uppers um hilariously enough when we were bringing up the drug scale earlier like i'm the type of person based on the way i look or whatever that people are constantly asking me for drugs <laughs> and so they're just like hey like do you know where can i and i'm talking about sometimes in foreign countries somewhere i was visiting somewhere i lived there's like hey man do you know where i can find and i'm like dude i don't know a i don't smoke b i have no idea like what what town we're in much less like where you can find whatever you're looking for uh but tea has always been something you know i started drinking it because coffee sort of put me off and um i guess the one quick origin story i can tell is just that there's a sushi restaurant in uh right near lmu where i went to college uh over in westchester it's called sakura it's on Centinella. it's an old sushi restaurant it's been there i think since before the 50s or around the 50s um it's not like the best sushi restaurant in la they give fat pieces if you're ever into just huge pieces of fish but they had some tea there, like a powdered green tea. It wasn't even matcha, a Japanese tea. And I tried it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I would go back again and again. I eventually asked them, like, where do they get this tea? She just brought out the package. Turned out the place was in Little Tokyo. I went down there. I think I was like a freshman or sophomore in college. And I found this shop called uh, Beeline, which sold tea and honey. And I bought like the, you know, the packet of tea, that the same one that the restaurant had. And, you know hilariously enough if like you fast you know that started the process and i started drinking more and more tea got more and more into it lived in asia all these things but um like the funniest part is that shop became tea master which is like the quintessential japanese tea shop in los angeles if not america um right there in honda plaza in little tokyo and the funniest part about all that was i went in the day it opened by coincidence and uh because we were going to sushi again across the street, which is a much better sushi restaurant. Um, and the guy had just opened and my girl was like, Hey, why don't you like ask him if he ever needs help? Cause you want to learn more about tea. So I up and got my first ever, like, like a job that's like taking money. What do you call it? Like a merchant job or like a, yeah, like retail, retail. <laughs> this is my first retail job. Um, and so, and so I worked at retail for a year uh, no, a year and a half every Friday. So I could only work Fridays, but I worked every Friday night and I like learned so much about tea with him. Um, and you know, he got like, he mixed matcha ice cream, which is, I, I told you guys, this is going to be a short story, but watch this just turn into like a four hour podcast about tea, which I would be so happy if that was the case. Uh, but, uh, you know, he makes this matcha green tea ice cream, which people drive up from like San Diego Yelp gave it like the best soft serve in California of like any oh. flavor. It's like, it is. And he took a tea master's mentality to like the making of this ice cream recipe. And so people come for that, but then he also carries like the best uh, Japanese green tea products out there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, when, when I started working there, I was like, okay, this is like, now it's a wrap. I started spending time on the tea Reddit, you know, just getting way too into it. And I've been to like several tea mountains, like in Darjeeling, India, in mm. Yunnan, China, where like Pu'er is from, uh, in Hangzhou, China, where like some of the most famous Chinese green teas are from. 
and obviously like Japan as well. Uh, and even in like Colombia, when I was living in Medellin, long after I was already obsessed with tea and I'm in the coffee capital of the world, I went and visited coffee farms and things like that. But I also like sought out and found successfully like the one tea shop in Medellin. And I still have this strainer that I bought there, like, which, you know, I'll, I'll always, I'll always be with me. So tea is the second most drank beverage in the world. It's, you know, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's got a beautiful and rich history. You could tell the whole world story through tea. So I could sit here and ramble about this forever. And maybe I'm just going to one day branch off and do an all tea podcast. But until then, I'm just trying to infect all the North End faithful and people who love LAFC and would normally be caught drinking beer with uh, this beautiful other alternative beverage they can have in addition to tea. It's not one or the other. I drink beer too, guys. I'm cool. I'm down. I'm hip. <laughs> all right. Well, that on average, how many cups? Of- oh, seamless transition scarf. <laughs> Philly, I was just going to say that that pretty much ends our time with the episode. Thank you guys for coming. <laughs> It was a, a two and a half hour story on tea. So that was perfect. Philly, go ahead, bud. Oh. Well, I mean, I kind of want to keep on the topic because I mentioned in, in, in our first part of this, I'm a tea troglodyte. On average, how many cups of tea a day would you say you consume? <laughs> I mean, it depends. I hate saying that in such a straightforward question. But, you know, it's not like a cup of coffee where you just you can drink it once. Like when the water passes through the beans, it's my understanding that like most people just drink it once. You won't you don't put the water again through the beans and drink it again. So you can, you can count cups of coffee easier than you can count cups of tea. Uh, depending on what tea I'm drinking, I can actually drink it more than one time. Like the teas we serve in the backyard on FCFC often, like Phoenix Oolong was probably the first big one. Shout out to Tea Habitat in Alhambra. My girl Eman hit her up. One time I've had people from LAFC actually go hit her up and they're like, she's like, I have no idea what this thing LAFC is or who these people are, but they came to me and mentioned about your podcast. So um, they that's an oolong tea and depending on how you brew it you can brew it like 10 12 13 times like uh you just keep brewing like the basically a lot of leaves in a small container and then you just keep pouring it into small cups so even those cups aren't like easy to count but i i more more or less put it out like i probably drink three different teas a day so like unless it's a podcast night maybe then four but i'll have something in the morning I'll have something a little bit later in the morning. I'll have something in the afternoon. Um, and usually it'll be like three different types of tea just because I get, you know, I want to mix it up. Right now I'm actually drinking uh, a Vietnamese tea, a, a black, uh, an oolong tea that um, Thelma Orozco gave us. Actually, it's the final end of this. I'm drinking all the tea that people have given me um, as the year wraps up. And she gave us this tea and I make a cold, I made like a cold brew out of it a couple of days ago for the pe- for the homies in the house. And so, you know, you can, I could refill this thing up like however many times until basically the flavor dissipates. And it, unless you're drinking Japanese green tea or Indian Darjeeling teas, like black teas, those are like one shots or two shot hits usually. But for the most part, you can re-steep a lot of these teas. So that's, it's a tough question to answer, but three, three a day, three different teas a day. And that's it for part two of this episode <laughs> of Defenders of the Bait. I love you, it. You, you came into the rabbit hole if you're going to ask some of these questions, guys. I'm sorry. Hey. I, I got to give it to you. I got to give it I to you. I love it. We said you it, know it's what we're here for, Dweez. Absolutely. We said at the beginning this episode was going to literally be unlike any other episode in the 131 that we've done, and we are getting that so far. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you guys, have there ever been any episodes – that maybe didn't turn out or any guests that kind of didn't pan out like you thought or, or anything that really didn't work out. I know you guys said all the magic happens in the backyard. Was there ever been a time where, or maybe the magic didn't happen or you guys were like, <laughs> that didn't go the way we thought. 
Flem, why don't you tell them the story of the capsule pod, the first go around? <laughs> All right. So we just released an, uh, an episode called the capsule pod. Uh, and it's an episode that we actually recorded a year ago. And I mean, it, in the beginning of the episode, we, like we said, like there's no structure to any of this. There's no reason why, rhyme or reason to why our guests are this wide array of people. It's literally, we're in a chat room. We, we're all kind of similar. We're, where our passion for thing comes in waves because we're, we're all doing other things too. So we're fully focused over here for a while and then we'll jump back into FCFC world and then jump back into another world. So yeah, and um, because of that, we didn't really know what this episode was gonna be about. We just had everyone in the backyard and in the midst of it, we was like, yeah, we're just, we'll just release this in a year from now. And I'm just <laughs> like, yo, what, what the hell are we doing? Like, what is going on right now? Like, I'm too high for this. I wasn't ready. <laughs> um, and we just started going. So from there, we're talking about like what the Euros are going to be like. I didn't even get a full listen through. So why don't you guys give a breakdown on like kind of what we talked about on the last one? Because it's still way over my head. But yeah, like that that episode is probably the only one I could really think of. Can you guys think of anything else where we were at the end of it? We were kind of like, what the hell just happened? Well, you for, you forgot to mention, and I think I can throw him under the bus because he did eventually come on the pod. But it was Max was supposed to come over that night, I think. Max, and then he had to cancel last minute. Shout out to Max Beros. Um, he was going to come over to the backyard. He and I had like talked a lot during, you know, reporting and stuff like that for when I was still writing for MLS and I was just like dude you gotta come over and we gotta talk stuff he's like okay sweet and then he had like I think he had a a martial arts event that night or something that he had to go to so okay. the guest canceled and so we were still like ah, let's just record anyways and it was like Slim said but um we've had other times where like a guest didn't pan out and we've had to record alone or uh we've had to record you know, we will move it a day, bump it a day, like unexpected things happen like that. But because our podcast is so freewheeling and not, you know, pretty agenda free. And like I've said before, I think you can listen to the Monty episode, you know, about Jump for LA Football Club right now. And it stands the test of time. Like it doesn't need to be, it's not about current events because we just wanted the story to document the story of, of, of him, of Monty really. And that included the story of Jump for LA Football Club. So I think that like you can't really thankfully we've built into our design all sorts of places where you can't fail because by by design it's supposed to be like somewhat random and haphazard so when things go wrong it's sort of fine um but no one's ever had like a proper accident or um you know <laughs> no one ever drank too much tea and they couldn't make it home because they were too jittery i think slim sometimes can't sleep because i hop him up too much but that's about it um I, everyone else has been i don't know i can't think of any other like death-defying escapes we do these things called shotgun pods those sometimes get a little off the rails where we basically just walk around with our cell phone at an event or at some other thing like i did one over the course of our trip in mexico for like four or five days where you know every few days or whatever i would just like start asking people things blake from central was on um i'd run into different people and say and ask them what they think was going on those are like even more freewheeling and unexpected but yeah even shoving a phone in someone's face no one's ever like punched me or slapped me or told me to like leave them alone. So thankfully <laughs> people have been pretty kind and patient. And for whatever reason, I think it's mostly down to slim. I think it's slim's comedy and Josh's good looks that uh, save people <laughs> from like going fucking losing their mind, listening to whatever the hell I have to say. So nice. 
So with the diverse range of guests that you've had, who would your each of your dream guests be to have in the backyard? Alyssa Milano. Oh, was I not supposed to answer that? I'm sorry. That was my. You opinion. don't even have a backyard, and if you do, I've never seen it. I, I don't. Alyssa Milano. That's great. <laughs> I would say in the LASC universe, probably Will Ferrell. It doesn't have to be in the LAFC universe. It could just be whoever. Oh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh, cool. Real. Snoop Dogg is the most entertaining human in the world. <laughs> Damn, you don't think you don't think it's because um, Snoop is on every commercial now and I have for a long time. He's a very very wise businessman. And we're Do you feel like that's advertising? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying, but it's like for you, it's like that's so it makes it's sense. still like there. He's like it's still like Uncle Snoop. I want to get Uncle Snoop on. <laughs> no, he he is yeah. everywhere. I I, I want to get my insurance from the general because because of Snoop. Now it's ridiculous. I was playing one of those one of those little like app games on my iPhone because I was bored one day, and all of a sudden he pops up promoting a fucking bingo game. I'm like, God damn, I can't get away from Snoop. He's everywhere. I guess I gotta buy this bingo game real quick. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Josh? Who would your dream guest be to have on? Man, you know we talked about this last time, y'all. But you know we love. We love our our sports athletes and the iconic people they are. It's damn. It's it's weird. I I got to, I think I shook Carlos's hand one time and that was pretty legit. But like, it's hard to look really look up to guys who are younger than you. So it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. we're <laughs> we're standing in the last generation, at least for for myself of the of the guys who are, you know, um, on their maybe their last heave here. But uh, I love Carmelo Anthony. I think about Carmelo Anthony a lot, like a, a lot. Yes. Yes, my fellow Orangeman. Yeah, and so um, I, 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 just, I literally had a conversation about Carmelo Anthony um, today, this morning, and I bother these guys all the time about mellow time, and I do this thing three to the dome all the time to myself. Uh, he just, <laughs> he just seems like someone who uh, commands respect, but also is genuinely who he is—a flawed human being, a flawed basketball player, but one hell of a guy. And so uh, Carmelo Anthony for me, or. Man, I, I do love actors and shit too. I think I, to be honest, it's it's still like if I saw The Rock ever, you know, like <laughs> The Rock was the biggest thing in my childhood growing up. And so like I don't oh, I don't yeah. freak out I don't freak out about celebrities, but like you know my voice would crack and I'd be like, <laughs> hey, Mr. Rock, you know, like I'd be just going up to this guy um and just thanking him, man. I think that's where I'd be. Can you hold my pen in between your pecs? <laughs> <laughs> I want to smell what you're cooking. <laughs> Please, what are you cooking? Let me it doesn't matter what my name is. <laughs> I want to go to the Smacketh Down Hotel. I'm a jabroni. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to yeah, be your jabroni. jabroni. <laughs> Dweez, what about you, my man? <laughs> it's got to be David Lynch, uh, hmm. the filmmaker. Who yeah. he? I think there's two things that would have to happen to make this good. One is he would have to go to a match. Um, he's obviously now been a long time LA resident. I believe he lives in Los Feliz. Uh, he made the movie Mulholland Drive, uh, Blue Velvet. You know, he made the series Twin Peaks, um, ton of other stuff. But he's just made like some of the most wacky shit of all time. So I would just be amazing to like hear him talk about uh, whatever the hell he wants to talk about, literally. But if he got to go to LAFC beforehand and he got to think about Los Angeles in terms of LAFC and whatever he just saw, to hear him describe or try to understand or wrap his head around it, like taking him to a game in the North End and then bringing David Lynch on the podcast, I think that that would be probably peak of like the rabbit holes that I could ever go down. 
And the funniest part is he's obsessed with coffee. And so just the chance to serve him some tea uh, would be pretty, would be pretty good. Um, I guess honorable mentions would be, I would just cause I can't stop listening to him. Burna boy, Burna boy troops from Arsenal fan TV who I have met. And maybe one day we will get them in the backyard and Hector Bellerin, just because he would just be so bonkers and he has a great podcast and I'm an Arsenal fan. So I've spent, Carlos Vela, I think for defenders too, we would all, you know, Carlos Vela would be good. I've had the good fortune. I wrote a piece on him for Los Angeles Magazine. I had 45 minutes alone with Carlos. He's a pretty entertaining and interesting guy, but I have a feeling in, a, in the circumstances like a podcast, if he doesn't know you like Benny Failhaber, he might not, you know, he might not go there with you. And what we like on our podcast, at least, is people who are willing to go there. And I think David Lynch would be that guy. Hmm. Please pretended to forget Benny Fellhopper's name because he does not respect Benny as a as a, as a I, player. I think I respect <laughs> Benny Thrifts more than Benny Fellhopper, but no. I mean, same, same for sure. But it was, shout out, shout out to Benny Fellhopper. He knows me. Out. What up? What up, Benny Fellhopper? You know why I say these things. You made me wait too much. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I wanted to ask our our consummate host. I mean, y'all. For for me, what I'm interested in for for you two is. Uh, would you rather is an ideal guest for you, the dream guest for you in sports or in music? Because you all dabble in both. And who, and who would those be? Oh, Oof. mine is easy. Mine is no doubt, hands down, no hesitation, Vin Scully. There is. Wow. It, oh, I thought you meant no doubt. I thought I was like Gwen Stefani. Yeah. <laughs> I was like getting ready for like Gwen Stefani, the riff right here. That'd be fine. Yeah, totally. And Adrian and all the other guys in that band. I don't remember who the rest of them were. But uh, no, it. He, he narrated my sports life, I felt like, for the first 30-plus years of my life. And, uh, you know, I remember I was 16 years old standing outside of the press box at Dodger Stadium with my dad waiting for Vin to come out just so he could sign my ticket. Oddly enough, it was September 11th, 1999, so it was two years before September 11th was September 11th. But I, I was just waiting there, and when this band finally emerged from his press box, it was like an an aura was around him. There was the the light from the sky, and the angels were singing. It was just it was Vin Scully, man, and 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 he stopped and and he kind of looked because this was way after the game. We were just waiting for him, and and he goes, "Well, hi there, young man. What are you still doing here?" And it was like hmm. Vin Scully in that voice was talking to me, and I was like, "All right, I'm done. I'm good. That's that's all I need." But to have him sit down and just talk about because i don't know that anybody else has seen los angeles through as wide of a lens for as long of a time as vin scully has whether it's dodgers i mean the guy called super bowls and masters and and all kinds of other incredible things other than dodger games but like think of what he means to so many different communities in los angeles if you have a sombrero throw it to the sky after fernando valenzuela does what he does you know it uh, the the Kirk Gibson call on the home run, Hideo Nomo coming through. I mean, he called everybody from from Jackie Robinson and Don Newcomb to Cody Bellinger. Like, how crazy is that? That the man talked to people who played with Babe Ruth. Like, it's just he is the last of what what would be like an iconic breed of of just so well rounded humanitarian sports people. I mean, it's just and and that's the other thing, right? You ask him about like. You ask him about his career and he goes, yeah, I couldn't have done it without God and my wife. And it's like a guy who's been doing this for 70 some odd years. Like Vin Scully, hands down, would be my number one. Wow. That's a great answer, man. That's a great, I mean, Phil, I want to hear from you too. I just want to hear about Vin Scully, Scully a little more. I, I saw some of these, these, these clips that they would play when Vin was retiring about 
I mean, yeah, the the well-roundedness of his nature, the the good natured person that he is, but his skill as a broadcaster of being able to go in and out of strike ball counts to a story he heard 30 years ago right. was un, undeniably like one of the most impressive genius level things that anyone had seen on TV before. And so like just that, I mean, we all like are now doing this, you know, for, 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 for love and glory. Right. But it's like, man, like we, the fact that we are in adjacent industries to Vince Scully is, is a humbling fact after all. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, 60, almost 60 years without a color man. Like, that's just insane to me. He was in there by himself. Unreal. Philly, what about you? I mean, just to touch the last thing on, on, on Vince Scully. I mean, the dude played baseball at Fordham. You know, that, we're talking the Bronx. I mean, he was he was at Ebbets Field. And just all the stuff that that guy's seen, I mean, it, it blows my mind. I'm a huge Mets fan, but all that Mets history is still intertwined with the Dodgers. Met blue is Dodger blue and the old New York Giants logo. And to think that that man was there, you know, alongside Red Barber at one point, who's another iconic announcer from back in the day. And to see the shit that that guy's seen and to remember it all, I mean, it's just incredible. It's We're talking about an iconic person like him. There was this thing on the MLB network, and they were going over all these announcers. And another one I totally forgot about who's also had a long tenure, Bob Euchre, man. What a career that guy's had. He was on yeah. Who's the Boss. I mean, you, you, you remember him if you watch the movie Major League. And, and Scarf and I quote it all the time when, when we talk about somebody missing a shot. Just a bit outside. I mean, we're quoting Bob Euchre, you know, right there. <laughs> but, I mean, as far as, like, who I'd want to have as a guest, it's funny that you should pick somebody who talks about sports because, I, I mean, I had two people, one in music, one in sports. I, I, I really appreciate people that are passionate. I I say it all the time. I like to hear things that have mustard. I need I need energy. That's just the way I am. I am a naturally caffeinated human being. And some might say, yeah, I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. But when I'm talking, you know, I'm talking out of like from my heart. I'm not making bullshit up. And somebody who I've always admired ever since I was a child, another sports guy. I love Dick Vitale, man. I mean, here's a guy who just goes nuts talking about talking about the games. I mean, you went to Syracuse. You know all about yeah. Dickie V. I Are mean, you he, kidding me? <laughs> he's a diaper dandy, baby, a primetime player at the, at the PTP. And, and his story is really cool to me because it sort of parallels my life in a weird way. So he started working as an accountant. I'm, I'm a financial mm-hmm. advisor, so we'll just call it numbers. Uh, he went. Unfortunately, he had his realization and he did something about it. I'm still stuck in finance 15 years later. But he went into his office one day and he look, he's looking around and he's seeing all these miserable fat bastards just just unhappy, unhappy with their lives. And he's like, I got to get out of here. He ends up getting a getting a master's degree in teaching, coaching high school basketball, coaching the University of Detroit, coaching the Pistons, getting fired. And then out of nowhere, he just happens across this this broadcast gig and I mean, the rest is history. I couldn't imagine watching college basketball without Dick Vitale. And there's certain people that you come across, uh, like the crocodile hunter, a totally different genre, but a guy who was passionate about what he was doing. And you can feel that. And for me, a guy who is... Who, who loves sports, who loves music, who, who's in a punk rock band, who somehow sold out and got into finance. Like, I'm always looking for that way out. And seeing these people enjoy their lives and doing that thing is, is really cool. So I would love to chat with Dick Vitale. But if we're going to talk about music, 
music. And, you know, they say be careful when you meet your idols because they may disappoint you. I would love to just get pissed drunk and chat with Liam Gallagher from from Oasis because we could chat about we could chat about the Premier League all day long. I'm a United fan. He's a city fan. We could just we could just go to war on things. We're both passionate about the Beatles. Like I love I love John Lennon more than I love the Beatles. To me, the Beatles are great. John Lennon is the man for me personally. So I would just love to get pissed drunk with, with Liam Gallagher and just just shoot the shit on a microphone. That would be my dream guest. I like that. I don't know if you all know this, but Liam Gallagher is, uh, has become something of a a freaking straight straight male fashion grunge icon in these past couple of years because of all these old photos of him wearing the stony and stuff come out. So you might see a Liam Gallagher Tifo come out not not, not too long after this. We'll see. Is that- I'd, lo- I'd, I'd lose my freaking mind. I might just run onto the field and jump into the North End at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about you guys. FCFC pod in, in five years, in 10 years. What, what, do, what should we expect what are the dreams, goals, aspirations? Are you guys still going to be doing this in five years or, or what's happening? International shotgun pods. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. You know what? Rich came to the backyard not too long ago and asked us, you know, like, like, you know, rich questions, which is like, where do you see yourself? What do you want from this? Who do you think you are? Kind of thing, you know? And, <laughs> um you know what we we t- I I I think on the night of I was telling them so like oh yeah we just want to be like telling you know telling the story and doing it responsibly and like having fun. I mean when I afterwards I was sleeping on I was like man I would really love to get paid to travel and record interesting football stories across the globe. So I mean our dream still is like um, we had um, Tway and Ty, um, kind of the part of the Henry Wynn equation of the beginning of the club. And we'd love to go to Vietnam and, and, and do like maybe a video thing with them, a podcast thing with them, you know, in the roots of Vietnam and talk to about like they were go- traveling back. I mean, they were doing a lot of the branding for it, but Henry is traveling back and forth between L.A. and Vietnam on it. And um, I'd love to be able to tell like the Los Angeles football club story and the L.A. story, you know, across the globe in these different destinations. And um hopefully not be bleeding out my pants, you know, just to be like, yo, let's uh, something, something's fun in it. Someone sponsor the pod defenders of the bank sponsor the podcast. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's kind of my dream for it. Um, if we get more than that, I, I get, I really feel like I get to talk to my friends every, you know, once a week, it's my most consistent relationship other than my one with uh, Jesus. So this is um, it's, it's, it's well, it's, it's welcome in my life. Now here's the thing you guys, you guys are, are famous for kind of not going down the LAFC rabbit hole, but we got two uh, two bastions of the North End. We've got Dweez, who literally writes about soccer for a living for, for many years of his life. So let's get into a little bit. We're only about an hour and five, hour and ten minutes into the podcast. Might as well hit up some LAFC stuff while we're at it. You guys know that we, we kind of jokingly slash seriously call ourselves the most LAFC podcast on earth just for fun. <laughs> and uh, we had an interesting 2020 season, you guys. This was... It was as up and down and as 2020 as anything could possibly be. And, you know, something that we would certainly want our listeners to hear is the the unfiltered opinions of, as you guys like to call yourselves, two scholars and a dickhead. I think it'd be <laughs> fun to get your your insight, your thoughts on a couple of different topics. So we're going to throw out a couple of LAFC things uh, for these next couple questions. And we just want, we want the no holds barred, you know, we want, we want the FCFC podcast opinions on these things. And I'm going to start with a a player who is near and dear to many people's hearts in LAFC, Brian Rodriguez, Brian Rodriguez. (laughs) 
do you guys feel about the season Brian Rodriguez had and, and everything that happened in 2020 with him? Slim, take it away. Um, I mean, I would say good, not great. It's it's I mean, he's doing a lot of great things, but it's not what we need him to do. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like bringing in like a seven footer and all he wants to do is like pass the ball from the perimeter. It just doesn't. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's still doing good things, but like it's we need him to do what we brought him here to do. And that's score some goals and. You know, but yeah, I mean, he's still creating a lot of opportunities, so I can't be mad at him. And if you asked me this a couple months ago when, you know, like COVID didn't like break my spirit for being angry at players, like (laughs) I probably would have been a little more angry. But right now it's yeah, like it's he's like I try to think of being their age like that, that anywhere from 19 to like 28 and not being able to do whatever the hell I want to do. Like I'm old and washed, so I'm like, cool, this is great. But like those guys gotta be like going batshit crazy. So you know, it's it's I think the season pass brought it up in one of their episodes. It's it's kind of, you know, an unexpected thing, but it's kind of what you get when you you kind of have the the young squad. It's it's harder for them to stay mentally focused. So, you know, I've I've been saying it for the past, I wanna say four months it's 2020 nothing matters who cares chalk it up to what it is and let's <laughs> let's do something different moving forward hey no uh no team played more minutes of players under 22 than lafc this year and it wasn't even close so i definitely nope. i feel what you're saying on that um let's let's talk about another favorite of the defenders of the bank podcast family and i know easily the next kit that philly is going to cop at lafc hq oh, shit that would be uh that would be Papel Andy oh. Nahar. How do you guys feel about uh, good old Andy Nahar? Ah, uh, please go, uh, please go. <laughs> Spice is just shaking his head. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, right? Like Omar Gabbert. Yeah, right? we mm. wanted we wanted we wanted to see what these guys had. Um, we wanted to know more about how they'd fit in the LAFC system. The dream for Bob for a long time, John as well, has been to have the outside backs be able to get forward and come back and be able to just hit you with so many different combinations of of speed on those wings that the attacks would continue to be relentless and people could track back. I mean, we didn't ever see Andy Nahar. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much, when it comes to injuries and, you know, someone now later in their career, it's like, I don't know how much to fault him. I don't know how much to fault 2020 at just being the specter of e- of all things evil. Sure. Um, I think it's just unfortunate we didn't get to see him more. I, I'll always remember Omar, uh, Omar Gabber. He, in some of the games that he played in preseason and different things, like watching him play, there was always this moment of anticipation. You just wanted to see what he could do. Um, and I think you have that a little bit with Nahar. Uh, and he was supposed to bring a lot of that experience too. So it's just it's too bad we didn't get to see more of him, I think. I get the feeling that we we're being. This is the politically correct, beautiful answer, <laughs> as Dweez, as as a good final gentleman will do. I get the sense that y'all have. That's have what I really think. Something too. to say. That's also what I yeah. think. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So I'm gonna let Philly go on Andy Nahar for just a minute here. So I mean, he it gets announced. He he's training with the team February 11th, the same exact day we trade Walker Zimmerman. Yeah. Okay. Rookie of the year back in the day, DC United. Okay, Honduran international. Okay, guys played in Champions League. 
But then you start doing a little bit of homework on him. And then you start to see his injury list. Vroom, it's like a Derrick Rose like sheet of injuries. And this is what? He was 25, 26 at the time, sustaining all these injuries. There was, what, a year in between play, training with LAFC and then the last time I think he played uh, over overseas in, in, in Belgium, if I'm not mistaken, that, that he actually saw some playing time. So, you know, we get $1.25 million in allocation money. We trade... There's 350,000. There's a swap. We get allocation order. We, we get him. And then from February 11th up until June, we've got four months. Then we, we have Andy Nahar. And then we expect to see Andy Nahar. And then after his first game, hamstring injury. And it's like, oh boy, it's starting already. And he's gotten a couple of seconds in the game. And after a while, it became a running joke that the guy couldn't get on the field you know, after tying his shoes without without hurting himself. That's why we gave him the name El Papel. It's you see a guy like Walker Zimmerman head over to uh, to Nashville and look, one point two five million was a record for the league. Allocation money. Fine. Fantastic. It was enticing. Nobody anticipated all that. But to see Walker thrive, to see Nashville do as well as they did in their first season, make it further in the playoffs, to see him get defensive player of the year, to see all that. And we end up with a with a guy who's Walker's age, 27. But with, you know, adding another two or three injuries to his already long list of injuries, it just it, it, it guts me. I just I don't obviously hate him as a human being. Uh, no, I mean, if I ever saw him on the street, like, I'd still say hi to him. But fact of the matter is, like, yeah, we might have gotten one point two five million in allocation. We might have only spent, you know, given away three fifty might have netted nine hundred thousand dollars. But it cost us a hell of a lot more as far as the season's concerned with that back line that that we had. I mean, that's. That's my take. It's wasted roster spot. Let's put it that way. And, and the proof was already there. When you, you tear up a bunch of ACLs, it's not even the physical limitations. At that point, it becomes mental. You're like, shit, am I going to get hurt today? I might have to take it easy here. I'm starting to feel my hamstring a little tender. After five, six, seven, eight sequences of this, you might have it physically, but you're going to lose it mentally. And again, the guy couldn't cross cross into the pitch without hurting himself. The last time he played, what did he make it? A whole 10 minutes before he gets carted off again? Come on. I think it was actually seven minutes. And uh, yeah, I round it up. Here's, here's the thing, too. We traded the defensive player of the year, the guy who was a legend now in Nashville, and he was so great for the team. Who can forget a fist pump at the end with the LAFC and like how he just brought everybody together? Look, it it's... We haven't made many bad moves in our young club's history. We really haven't. I mean, look, we know the Andre Horta move didn't work out, obviously, Andy Nahar, Omar Gaber, but at least we're taking big swings, right? I felt like this was a big swing in the wrong direction, but... It was a gamble. Uh, yeah, it was... That's the, it was JR, that's the, I think that's the best way to put it. And when the trade... I mean, yeah, we're talking Nahar, Zimmerman, which, you know, I feel like they're sort of mutually exclusive. They, I don't think they had a lot to do with each other, but uh, Zimmerman that that move was the biggest roll of the dice in LAFC history, apart from getting Carlos Vela as the DP. Um, and we talked about that, like the day it happened in the press box, we were just like, this is a huge gamble. And it's obviously a gamble that did not work out in LAFC's favor, for sure. I totally agree with you, Philly. Oh, let, let me ask you guys, what were you doing when you were 16 years old? Were you scoring goals in Major League Soccer and and signing professional contracts like Christian Torres? Like it, it blows my mind how quickly the academy produced frontline players, especially a guy like Christian Torres, who 
oh my God, we're talking playoff game. You're you're starting because now we have no no Danny Musovsky and and no Diego Rossi, no Brian Rodriguez, obviously no Adama Diamande and and everything else that. Christian Torres at 16 years old is our guy on the front line. And, and he actually, he played really well this season. I was super happy to see the way he played. What, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, not just Christian, but even, you know, we, we got to see Eric a little bit out there, man, is he a tiny dude? Someone's got to get him a cheeseburger in the off season. Um, we didn't see a lot of Tony Leone, but what are your guys' thoughts on the Academy kids? Let's let Dweez or Spice take this one because I know Dweez has an in-depth analysis and in-depth thoughts on on young Christian Torres. The chainsaw. The chainsaw. Let's <laughs> get it going, guys. Him. Christian, the chainsaw Torres. All right, there you go. That's what it is. The silver lining of 2020 is the academy, isn't it? Um, at the beginning of the year, I have the audio somewhere. I'll put it on season pass. Ryan knows that. Ryan was there. Ryan was there. I promise I asked it. I have the audio. I'll dig it up. I asked Bob at the end of the first day of training, I said, are we, you know, I'm seeing Academy players here uh, often. I've talked to Todd Saldana, the Academy director, often. I've profiled him. I've followed some of these players. I thought Dylan Presto was going to be part of that crop as well. But, you know, you've got these uh, these players. And I was just like, are any, any chance, any chance we're going to see minutes this year? And Bob looked me dead in the eyes and he was like, he either said one thing at a time or, hey, slow down, slow down, take it easy. Like, like there was no way in hell in 2020 we're going to see, a, like, Dweez, back up, bro. You're putting, you know, come on, hold the brakes. Like, like I was insane. All right? We're going to bring that audio back up because, and maybe Bob wouldn't have done this had 2020 not disrupted everything. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they would have all stayed on, on the thing. But I looked at the congested schedule. I looked at the way they were playing. I talked to the players about, how the Academy kids were playing. And we all know the type of numbers they were hitting on other teams, the amount of goals they were hanging on other teams. I mean, these guys are the cream of the crop in Southern California, which is the breadbasket of football players in the United States. So, you know, I didn't see why not. And lo and behold, we not only saw them play, we not only saw them perform, we saw that goal against Portland, which was by far my favorite part of the 2020 season. Yep. Christian, the chainsaw Torres getting it done. I'm crazy. I mean, come on. Like the dream for me personally is like to see an LAFC player, someone come through the Academy, go up and play for Arsenal, play for playing the champions league. Like that'd be such a beautiful thing, obviously doing well for the LAFC universe, but I want to participate in the global football system. Um, I think I can speak for at least Josh and Sam. None of us watched MLS before LAFC came along. I don't think you guys might've either or not a ton of it. And so we all love the global game. And the more that we can participate in that, whether it's the Congregate Champions League, these other things, the better. But for sure, the Academy kids, Christian, Eric, Tony. I mean, and I know Tony Leon, we didn't see a lot of him, but I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of him going forward. And the qualities he has as, as a center back specifically, which is, you know, the thing we would really love to have at this moment. Um, maybe it's not going to be next year he's going to be starting, but here in a couple seasons, I could see it. And that's exciting. Yeah, and we got some United fans in the chat right now, I know. And um, the the thing, I love my teams and I love my players. Like when I was growing up, they were like my older brothers. And now like they are my sons. You know, this is this is kind of how the, how I guess aging works. <laughs> right. But um, we I mean, Phil, you, you, Sam and I are uh, United fans who, you know, grew up around the United aura of the academy and what an academy kid and what a Manchester, Manchester kid can do for um, – your club culture, right? And so, I mean, I already have a deep af affinity for all my clubs and all my teams and all the players within it, but I know for a fact that if it's 
what all of us think is the right way to, to grow this game and to grow a club is to have the kids come to the local kids come to the academy and even wearing the captain's armband one day, right? I think um, it's a strange thing because I've, when I got into global football as a United fan, it's hard to see your club sell anybody who you feel like has potential. That's the one I think um, kind of uh, the weird place I find myself with LAFC is that you want the club to make money and be profitable. And that's coming at the cost of maybe a Diego Rossi or an Edward Atuesta, which I don't love to see. But um, at the same time, I think having the local LA boy wear the colors and put in an armband and lift some silverware, like that's the stuff that makes, you know, the songs mean something, right? So that that's what I am really looking forward to that. I'm glad the silver lining of something exists and I'm thankful for the chainsaw. Yeah. You know, uh, we talk about this all the time on our, on our pod too, that I'm born and raised Angelino. I'm used to the biggest payrolls, the biggest superstars, like this being the end game for a lot of athletes, right? If you're playing basketball, the end game, sorry guys, but it's not the Knicks. It's, it's the Lakers. No, it is the end game where people's careers go to die. It, it is the end game. Knicks, you're the right. very, very end. <laughs> Shout out Tracy McGrady. Right. <laughs> Anthony Hardaway too. Stoudemire. I mean, we, we got, hold on. No, we had too much Knicks talk on the last half of this podcast. No, we're not doing it again. I'm not going down that rabbit hole, but like with the Dodgers, right? They, they have the biggest payroll. They have the biggest superstars with the Lakers and to be, to be supporters and to be diehards of a, of a club that isn't the end all, right? Like players aren't practicing somewhere right now. There's not a kid practicing somewhere whose end goal it is eventually going to be LAFC, right? It's it's the Barcelonas, it's the Real Madrids, it's the Manchester Uniteds, the you know all of those clubs out there. I I totally agree. I want I want this to be the place where the local boy does good, right? Like that's why I was so excited when we brought in Christian Ramirez. I mean, he was he's from right around here. It was I was going to give him a chance to to really shine for for his family and for his people in Los Angeles, and and now to have guys like Christian Torres and Tony Leone and Eric Duenas, like that's it's such an exciting time. And yes, the silver lining of what was the poopsicle of, of 2020. <laughs> Will we have Diego Rossi on our team for the next season? I think with how the market has gone to shit, it might be tougher for the club to sell him for the price that they want. So I think we do get one more year of Diego. Um, before the official sports writer talks, I'll, I'll give another, yeah, just a un- unabashed weird twitter take it's what sam said the transfer market especially around um diego and brian i think have it's just it's it's been underwhelming from what i've read because of covid um and also i hate that we are on the a different calendar than all of european football and it's and it's because like we could sell somebody in the middle of our season and that's more likely because of where the european calendar lands and so I see a Diego Rossi mid-season exit, a summer exit, more likely than a January one. I think the club holds out for a little more. But at the same time, like, I'm just counting my blessings with Diego because, like, I see a golden goal scorer. We all see a golden goal scorer. And now the world sees an official golden goal scorer at the the ripe age of about 21, 22. And so uh, I don't think he's here in the black and gold for that much longer. Yeah, I mean, both of what they said, is true with regards to the market and regards to the summer. And if you listen to season pass, you know, season pass, you know, we don't do a lot of hot takes on there. We try to keep it straight laced journal journalism, 30 minutes. Um, but for the sake of the defenders pod, I, I will just throw in this other thing 
this other X factor in there. Depends on who, you know, let's get Juan Pablo on hell on the phone. Let's get John Thorrington on the phone. It depends on who they got up next, who's on the docket to replace Diego, because they might be willing to let him go for maybe less than ideal price, maybe a COVID rate uh, in the summer if they have someone ready to come in, um, someone that they really feel good about. Because, you know, like like we said, replacing a golden boot winner is hard. Um, Carlos had a pretty major injury. There's no guarantee he's going to become another golden boot winner. So I don't know if you can afford to let Diego go unless you're feeling either pretty great about the money, pretty great about your replacement or both. Um, yeah. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. So obviously we're going to follow our players. Let's just say they, 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 we, we lose out to down the road. We lose out to West. We lose Rossi. Now I'll use the example of a Miguel Almiron. I would imagine there's a fair amount of people within Atlanta United that started paying attention to Newcastle. I would imagine there are a fair amount of people from the Vancouver Whitecaps that all of a sudden started paying attention to Bayern Munich. If, and I'll start with you, Slim, if Diego Rossi happens to go to Manchester City, you're going to get yourself a Diego Rossi jersey? No. (laughs) All right. That's an answer I would have expected. Dweez, Diego Rossi goes to Tottenham. Do you buy a Diego Rossi jersey? I certainly, certainly do not. Uh, as I'm wearing my Arsenal kit right now in anticipation of the Derby this weekend, I would wish him well, just like I, I wish Son well. I think Son's an incredible player. I, I wish that he scores seven goals and the other team always scores eight against uh, Tottenham. But no, I, there's no way. I don't think I would ever buy, unless I think my own blood would have to be on Tottenham for me to ever even look at a Tottenham jersey with any sort of thing that's not, not disdain. <laughs> what if it was Christian Torres? Would that would that be a difference? Ooh. I wouldn't buy the jersey. I would still wish him well, but I wouldn't buy the jersey now. <laughs> Fair Basically, enough. Basically, for what you're asking, like you don't buy the jersey, but you also don't fo- unfollow them on Instagram. Is kind of the level we're at. <laughs> Fair enough, Spice. I mean, you're uh, same question. I don't know if you heard it the first time. Any of yeah. our boys goes overseas. Let's just call them anybody. Rossi, Atuesta, and you're a United fan. Let's just say they go to City. You cop the kid or no? Uh, I will cop the Diego Rossi official energy drink. I will cop the official Diego Rossi action figure. I will not be copying anything in that in that shade of blue on that other side of Manchester because we all know Manchester is red. It's a tough question. I am looking forward to, let's say, Diego goes to Serie A, Ligue 1, even the Bundesliga. I would love to um, cop a kid out of out of that, but not not with uh, some if it if it. Uh, Come if it offends previous alliances. To, to, Slim, to Slim's point, if Diego Rossi is scoring goals like crazy for Man United or, or Man, Man City or Tottenham, I think we're all watching those highlights and respecting the man, right? But we're just sure. not putting on the kit. Sure. Fair enough. I'm, I like I'm collecting kits. I probably would. No, I got I'd feel, I got, and the, the thing for us, okay, we're all big national team guys, right? Phil, you're, you're a German team um, guy. Scarf, I found out that you're an uh, Italian, um, yes, Italian uh, team fan. And so we all feel that for the Korean national team for Slim and I, right? And luckily enough, I mean, Chisung Park was why I became a United fan and why I stayed a United fan. Uh, I'm glad that Sun didn't happen at a city or a Liverpool because I can watch him and, you know, unabashedly be like, yeah, sure. It's good for Tottenham to have good things sometimes. Thank you for Michael Carrick. And thank you for, for Dimitar Berbatov, you know, like it's, it's that kind of relationship. But now there's a rumor that our, our wonder boy, the golden boy of last year's, uh, U20 uh, World, uh, Olympic World Cup 
was he's been rumored Egon in from Valencia is rumored to go to City, and now all these feelings are arising where I'm like, this is this is not supposed to how how it's supposed to happen. There mm-hmm. should be only one team that understands global football strategy and tactics, and that's Manchester United. Yeah. I don't think we're we're that anymore. So we'll no. probably see more of these, and hopefully we'll have more of these um, horrible scenarios uh, come into play. But I'd like to think that uh, we'd have one of our boys play at United at Old Trafford one day. That'd be unbelievable. That would be real cool. Let me ask you guys real quick, your thoughts on the, uh, the Champions League upcoming with uh, Cruz Azul and then most likely a date with Club America if we get past Cruz Azul. Those are... Those you don't are... think Atlanta United's got a chance to beat him, Scarf? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I do not, but uh, I think that LAFC can catch lightning in a bottle once and get past Cruz Azul on any given Sunday, right? So uh, what do you guys think about our chances in the Champions League, both with Cruz Azul and then if you guys think we'll get past? That team, that LAFC team that beat Leon, fresh off of possibly, I'd say, one of our worst defeats in history at Leon, in, yep. Guana, in, uh, in Leon, near Guanajuato, our favorite place to ease. Uh, Sam wasn't there. He he had a prior engagement. He couldn't be there for. It, but um, that's on, that's another story. Uh, but that team that beat Leon at home in LAFC, I think, was one of the best LAFC teams squads I've seen in my life. Where we are um, <laughs> nine months from now, I don't like how, my. I asked my our, our group our group of friends, the food dude. Shout out the food dudes, a new podcast here one time. But I was like, what percentage worse are we? now than we were against Leon at home in March. And um, those percentage points look real, real scarce and uh, look real, real scary right now because the way that we finished our season, and I know Seattle always kind of has it out for us, but um, I don't know. It's terrifying. I do. I did hear from the Mexican homies, the big uh, Liga Amiki homies who say Cruz Azul uh, loves to choke. So I'm, I'm banking on that. Right. Um, as a team that's not great in the playoffs, I'm banking on that. But also I don't see the same team on the pitch that I did against Leon. And it's, that's terrifying. This is within one calendar year, y'all. The MLS season is brutal, but um, already, but the 2020 calendar is uh, really, really wrecked us. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who we put out there too, because we've got a lot of different roster workings going on right now. You know, we've got some people that, as far as I understand, everybody's eligible except for, and Dweez, you might have a little bit more of an insight on this. Everybody's eligible except for those guys who become free agents on like the 13th, right? So that's like Jordan Harvey, Dayon, and I think Mohamed El Munir might be a couple of others too, but. And Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Mario. Yeah, we'll see if they can arrange something to sign him back. I want to say something. What, um, we were there when we saw the game at Leon, and uh, so yeah. many of our boys who had never been on international stage were petrified. Like you could say, you could see it right away. The sure. same way that I believe that that's the first time our supporters were um, we were defeated in the stands. I will say that clearly. Um, the players were scared. You know, like uh, guys who were really young, never been on international stage before. As much stick as we give Dejan Yakovic, Dejan saved us a lot of goals in that game in Ty and Leon and I think played incredibly. So again, at, um, at home at, at the bank. So it's, a, it's a strange season again, because they had some bad moments, but against Leon, against that team that beat us so thoroughly, I thought he was one of the more important pieces on that field. Well, and, and I think when, when Philly and I were talking about too, going into the COVID break, right? Like March, what was it? Eighth is when we played Philadelphia. And then uh, after that, we broke for a little bit. 
I thought Dayon was a, a surprising bright spot for us throughout those first four matches. I mean, he had a lot thrown on his plate saying, okay, go replace Walker Zimmerman. Go replace a best 11 U.S. men's national team center back who's also the alpha, the voice of our, our club out there. And I thought he played great. You're absolutely right. I mean, we were there with you, and uh, I was there with you in, in Leon, and it was – Yeah, you were. We had a lot of moments where we held our breath, but a lot of them weren't because of Dayon. Dayon played great, so we'll see what we do with Dayon. I never thought he was particularly awful. Yeah, he had some bad moments, but ever since he had a kid, I feel like his game completely changed. He started quite a few games for us, season one, too. It's, he caught, he, a, lot of the, a lot of the players on the back line catch a lot of flack. Uh, I mean, they, they obviously have, and, and for good reason, because they're on the bottom half in terms of goals a lot. You want to talk about Cruz Azul, by the way, I just noticed that they put the shebang-bang on Pumas. They won 4-0. So, oh, well, God. Yeah, so their, their form looks okay right now, <laughs> to say I think this season really served Dayon well because he had a break, right? He, he didn't have to be a 35-year-old center back for seven straight months. He played for a couple months and had a break and then played for a couple of months. And so that was interesting. Dweez, I know you want to ring in on this as well. No, I just wanted to say about the possibilities in CCL. First of all, I think you know winning CCL would be a bigger and more important achievement than winning MLS Cup, um, COVID, no COVID, and – uh, that would, it, so LAFC still has it all to play for. What it comes down to is, you know, you think about the things that are in their favor and against them. I mean, these are players who know what it's like to play in the bubble in Orlando, many of them. This is going to be at a neutral ground. We, the international stage, sure, but, like, my boy Ryan Wallerson was out there in, a, in Florida going to these games, and it's not, it's not Leon's stadium, you know? Hmm. It's not that pulsating environment that you're playing against it's like a weird janky tv television station that they're doubling as a football pitch you know um so i I don't think that some of the normal factors go into it and the benefit is i mean barring other covid and other restrictions is lafc could have a much stronger roster for this than they had for the playoffs right yeah um so i think that their chances are better uh what is strange is there is going to be this strength this in-between period where i I believe some players like sort of kind of have the option to go and play or not even though their contracts you know may or may not come from lafc or someone else next season so that's going to be sort of weird i'm going to put this one a lot on bob bradley because he's gonna it's his job to have to prepare these guys to go do this and he's had maybe not other seasons like this but he's had this whole season to sort of prepare for the many things that can go wrong um, and he's also been to the bubble. So I think LAFC, if they have their guys and nobody is lost to COVID or other reasons, and this tournament goes ahead as planned, I think that they'll beat Cruz Azul. Um, I'm not sure if they'll make it all the way. It depends, I think, on the intactness of their roster. But they have a very good chance to win that tournament. And people are definitely un- discounting them because of what happened in the playoffs, which think more things were hindering LAFC in that than might hinder them in this. So. We had a we had a rant with Philly early on. Now we got a hot take with Dweez. That's a big one. I like it. I like it. LAFC over Cruz Azul. We I obviously we feel the same way here on Defenders. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know we're only what an hour and almost forty minutes or so in with you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We want to end with uh, talking about one of our favorite things. Let's end talking about it's the holiday season. You guys, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. We've got. Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever uh, celebration that you celebrate over the holidays and then New Year's. 
Let's let's talk a little bit about your beverages of choice this holiday season, whether you're watching, you know, soccer and football, just chilling at the crib. Obviously, none of us are going anywhere anytime soon. We're going to be at home on lockdown, whether it's with our significant others, our family, whatever it might be. So we'll go around the room and and each of you, if you don't mind, please give a, a recommendation of a of a beverage for all of our listeners, for the for the millions and millions our listeners out please, uh, please give us a, a beverage recommendation of your choice for this holiday season. Um, for beers, I always go for a golden Belgian, uh, anything above seven and a half percent. Something where two pints is a head change for the seltzers. We newly discovered Corona seltzers yeah. I drink the you shit know, out. in the running for, for, you know, top seltzer out there. So they, they had a hit because uh, everyone was calling COVID Corona at the beginning of this year. So so shout out Corona on switching it up to seltzer. And, and for hard alcohol, if you're going tequila, it's the holidays. Splurge a little, get some Clase Azul. And for whiskey, splurge a little, get a little McAllen 12. There you go. Keep it gangster, y'all. Yeah, you, you and I are kindred spirits on the uh, on the Goldens, my friend. Well done. Well done. Yes, sir. All right, Josh, what about you? Okay, so there may be a chance I get to, I mean, fly home and safely see mom and dad, you know, eventually after getting a rapid COVID test. And so uh, my mom is uh, a savage and will make many fat <laughs> jokes. And so I'm trying to cut cut a little bit of the, 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 the beer drinking as of now. So I've been enjoying, and Sam, I'm, I, I, I can't afford the Clase Asil right now, so... I've been going with the Costco tequila. I don't know what it's called, the Kirkland brand. Kirkland. It's great. It gets it gets me to places. Um, my uh, the beer I was drinking right before um, I realized my mom would uh, make fun of me and my weight would be uh, and fat shame me. You're canceled, mom. If you hear that, you're canceled. We're canceling. You. Is um, is uh, I love a good Franciscan, another Belgian for you. So uh, nice. it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. I love it. And a tall boy go to beer garden support local bars when. Um, Emperor Newsom opens up again. We'll see. <laughs> and by the way, shout out to Josh's mom. We know you're a longtime listener. We thank you for listening to the podcast. So, uh, do we? Yeah, she doesn't even listen. She doesn't even and listen shout to Shout out fat shaming. It's the only form of shaming that's still allowed right now. You know what I mean? Tweez? <laughs> Yo. Uh, yeah, you, you already know it's going to be tea. Um, look, if- we say a fun alcohol one, bro. <sighs> and a tea. Doesn't your brother run a brewery? Come on, you see, you you weirdo. Let's go. Yeah, he does. He does. He sure does. But uh, does he run? Wait a minute. I didn't know that. What brewery does he run? My older brother owns a brewery. He owns the best brewery in Salt Lake City. I'll put it out there. Nice. Um, yeah, he. It's a it's a good one. If you ever up in Salt Lake for an away day, go to Fisher Fisher Beer. I, apparently, Nick Romando goes there all the time, but apparently, he doesn't play for them anymore either. So that's good. <laughs> um, so I would say that you should drink tea tea is excellent at all times of the year especially holiday season um go to tea master get so they've got the fucking killer the best latte of your life their matcha latte hot or cold if you want a hot drink it's, you're feeling the chills of la and they also have like a seasonal nadeshiko latte which is a sort of like ground uh, aged tea that they whisk matcha style and put it into a latte those are excellent tea habitat get get all your oolongs in drink those oolongs hot drink them drink them while they're hot um if you're gonna drink liquor some liquor that um i always think this time of year really just brings out the best in all of us is uh just have a little bit of 
whiskey on the rocks and watch the the holiday depression you know melt away slowly uh whiskey of your choice obviously like if if you're gonna be an irish irish whiskey man like i am a uh, red breast is hard to beat um good. pretty big red breast fan and just have a little bit of that on the ice and think about your yesterday your yesterdays and your tomorrows and realize that you know time's going by fast one way or the other so go back to the tea once you're done with that because it's going to make you feel a hell of a lot better <laughs> philly what about you any recommendations for the holiday season for all of our listeners my friend Dude, you come over to my house weekly. You you saw the the ten new bottles of scotch I, I recently came across. The Ardbergs, the Lagavulins, the the this and the that. The one thing I don't have, oddly enough, and Slim reminded me, I don't have Macallan. I need some more Macallan in my collection. I have a Macallan story uh, for for you all. So there's a restaurant in Burbank called Castaways, and. Basically, we went there. They, they had this little bar area that they just redid. They made it a speakeasy and, and, and all the other stuff. So we went. We had all their different craft cocktails. And we had a good time drinking. And it was the end of the night. We're talking to the bartender. We're like, hey, you know, is there anything different that we haven't had yet? And he goes, well, I got this bottle of Macallan. I think, well, God, what, 25, I think it was. Macallan 25. I'm like, yeah, I love Macallan. Let's open that. Let's, let's drink that. Let's have a good time. About two minutes later, the manager of the bar comes up to me and goes, hey, Christian, here's my business card. I don't care what is going on. Uh, I don't care if we're packed. Call me. I'll get you and your friends in no problem. About that time, I started shitting myself. I realized, oh, my God, what the hell did I just order? I thought, you know, how much can this shot of this McAllen stuff be? I'm like, Panda, quick, go to BevMo. Go, find out how much this bottle of McAllen costs. Her jaw drops. At that point, I'm like, oh, shit, I did it again. I did something fucked up again drinking. And so the bottle itself at BevMo, of all places, was 1800 bucks. I'm terrified at this point. Terrified. I'm like, how much is this two-ounce shot of McAllen going to cost me? 300 bucks for a two-ounce shot. I, 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 I should have told the manager I was ready to wash dishes. I was ready to wash dishes. Long story short. You always got to say the, the, the year. You, you always got to say the year with McAllen. Yeah, I mean, I was so I was so effed up at that point that it, it didn't matter. I'm like, McAllen, yeah, sure. I'm thinking in my head 15. Meanwhile, they obviously you know, are serving me shit from an $1,800 bottle and charging me 300 for a two-ounce shot. So in my long-winded roundabout way, as we always do on the pod scarf, scotch and McAllen, my drink of choice. No beer. Beer gives me gout. That's that is true, and the the object for Philly this holiday season is to avoid the gout. That is for sure. So hey, can I can I put can I put you guys on uh, on blast and maybe do something a little uncomfortable at, at first? Uh, what am I about to say right now? How about whenever uh, we all get vaccinated and we're good to go back in the bars, a little FCFC defenders. We are at the bar together. We do something for, I don't know, fucking charity or we get fucking drunk. I don't know what it is, but we all go out there and we have a drink with Philly and JR and um, go out there. And um, I don't know, we've wanted to do a live podcast from a bar or from from a brewery for so long, man. And I miss those things so much. I feel like just, just Phil, when I heard you talk about, uh, Philly just talking about ordering a drink at a bar, I was like, damn. Right. It's incredible. Like, there's something we can do with the pod fam. There's something we can do with we'll, FCN. We'll revisit FCN that in twenty. We'll revisit that in 2022 when it's allowed, bro. <laughs> it'll, it'll be the one 2026 month. capsule one episode. 
Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. I'm in. I love it. I'm down. I mean, a bar? Yeah, sure. You know, we have no shame. We like to drink, as I'm sure you've heard. Yeah, it's happened once or twice. And, and Josh, there's definitely no reason that we need to hang out with you guys. This this was, now, for, for those of you that are still listening, after about 45 minutes of tea conversation, an hour and a half about, about of, uh, LAFC stuff, Look, this came about because the uh, the boys over at FCFC were nice enough to ask us to be on their pod, and, and we said, you know, let's let's make it a two parter. Let's do half of it over there, half of it over here, and and honestly, for no other reason than we just wanted to sit down and talk with some of our good friends, and we miss these guys so much, man. It's been. Yeah. It's- incredible for those of you that are still hanging with us we're we're almost at the two hour mark but don't worry we're not going to hit you with a full two hour episode today although we would love to just sit i know dweez could tell you one more story about tea and easily crescendo over that two hour mark um but it's i want to hear cannabis dispatch stories i'm sure there's a bunch of good ones there i'm not as interesting as you would think (laughs) (laughs) uh the defenders after dark podcast that we've always wanted to do with these (laughs) Um, you guys, again, this we said episode 131 would be unlike anything that we've ever done before, and I'm pretty sure we have been true to our word on that. Uh, Dweez by Slim, it's been incredible to have you guys on. You guys are the best. And, and again, do me a favor real quick and plug FCFC Podcast and your own social media here right at the end so we can make sure the millions... And millions! millions. Here we go, of listeners of Defenders of the Bank also become listeners of FCFC Pod. Yeah, you Spice, can uh, you hit them with those. Let's go. Um, you can follow us on at FCFC pod, FCFC POD. I was about to spell out FCFC until I realized I was doing it already. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Alex Cervantes, Edgar Garibay, who are our dear friends who help us on this It Never Rains venture family thing together. Um, thank you for providing the art and the photography for us always. And um, yeah, follow us there. We'll post memes, but most of the time we'll just post a lot of love around LAFC and the community that we've built. So give us a follow and that's at FCFC pod. And also quick, quick shout out to Ryan Wallerson and Josh Gross, my journalists in tow who covered the club for a long time as well. We do season pass podcast, keep it pretty, pretty light, pretty quick, 30 minute episodes on that. And yeah, I do want to take one moment to, to thank the boys, JR and Philly, for having us. These guys pump out pods every week. They're incredible pods. I've seen them in the press box. We've we've talked on Christmas Tree Lane. They move between worlds like like we all have to in this LAFC world. And while I'm at it, you know, big, big shout out to everybody at the club. I know it's been a hard year for them, and they've had to downsize at times, and they're doing their best. Shout out to Bob, all the players. Um, they're doing their best. We, we criticize, and we, we try to find things. This has been a crazy fucked up year for everybody. And shout out to the LAFC Academy because those guys have just, you know, done something unreal in, in, in this year. And we're so excited to see what else they do in the future. Um, yeah, I'm just like you guys, happy to be celebrating black, all things black and gold. And thank you guys so much for having us on. You, it means a lot to us. Yeah. And shout out Lawrence Simon. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, if you guys have listened to any of our episodes, we like to sign off a little bye-bye to everybody. So we're going to try to make this as seamless as the claps were on your episode to see if we can get everybody all together at the same time. So uh, we're going to count it down, and you guys know how we like to end our episodes, and you guys are just going to say bye-bye to everybody when we get to three, all right? So this has been episode 131 of the 
LAFC podcast on earth. Seamless as the clap. <laughs> as the clap, as this one might be subtitled somehow. Our good friends at FCFC Pod, so nice enough to join us. And you know how we like to end all of our pods. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.